You are listening to the Red Roots Podcast. Um, I think I accidentally sniffed during the intro. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyways, Mondays are kind of draggy for me. Do you like Mondays? Um, no. Well, I mean, <laughs> no, not really. I just want to <laughs> Do sleep. you like any day? <laughs> like, <laughs> I do. Are no, you I happy do. with life in general? <laughs> <laughs> no, Mondays feel awkward because you think you get a break, but you still have so much to yeah, do. Yeah, just like the stuff that you don't have time to do the other day is what you do. Monday is supposed to be my day off. And like, it, uh, theoretically, it's great, but... But so far, you fixed the sink in the bathroom. Yeah, which is great. And it's not even that. It's just I feel it's so draggy. Like, and then I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna be, you know, slothful and eat and stuff. And I had those two sandwiches when apparently my limit was one. I feel <laughs> terrible. Like, did you binge watch on Netflix last night? I so, tried to. So that's probably why. I know. I said I tried to. Oh, okay. But I'm too old. I can't stay up past twelve. <laughs> like I just, I, I was gone. And then like Netflix was. You know, watching me. And I roll over and see you asleep with your glasses still on your yeah, face. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm, tra- yeah. it's ridiculous, man. Like, I'm 34 years old. When is this going to stop? <laughs> Anyways, hey, this is the Red Roots Podcast. This is all about missions and Jesus, clearly. Simon is not with us this week. He is in Santa Cruz, which is a bigger city here in Bolivia. He, um, hello, Simon. Hope you're listening. <laughs> if not, you're kicked off. Um, so it's just me and Melinda this time. Which is fun too, right? Yeah. Good. <laughs> so yeah, Mondays is the day off. I um, I you know I get I I try to stay up late Sunday nights just to spoil myself, which is ridiculous, and um, never works. And then wake up and I take the girls to school. This morning I was taking the girls to school, and I drop them off. And we have this little chat that we have before they go to school every day. So we're having our little talk, and there's this guy I see him all the time dropping his kid off, and apparently it's just a just a, a terrible Monday for him. He pulls up on his motorcycle with a propane tank on one hand, his kid on the back. I promise you, dude doesn't even stop. Like, doesn't even fully stop the motorcycle and the kid hops off. There are no words said, no looks, no I love you, have a good day. The kid hops off and he just swings around and, and like, he knows the routine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like he, I promise you, he did not stop the motorcycle. Like, I was laughing so hard. I, he knew I was laughing at him, but he probably didn't know why I was laughing at him. But um, it's always fun to see what people um, can carry on their motorcycles. Yeah, like motorcycles are, are, are a huge thing here in Trinidad, not even in all of Bolivia, here in Trinidad mainly. I would say 95% of the population, I'm not, probably not exaggerating, has a motorcycle or rides motorcycles. Yeah. Um, there are cars here, but I mean, it's, I would say it's probably 80% cars, the 20, I'm sorry, 80% motorcycles, the 20% cars. What's the weirdest thing you've ever seen? On a motorcycle. I was going to ask you that. Well, um, too late. I and I was you. thinking about it too. One time I saw a lady uh, passenger in the back, mm-hmm. you know, um, with a mattress on her head. Yeah. <laughs> and was it like a king size? No, like it a- wasn't. I think it was a twin. <laughs> but uh, also, one of the funniest things was when you brought the pig home and it was alive. Oh, that was me. Yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> and it's yeah. like moving in I the back. I didn't bag. even think about that. So, <laughs> hold on. I'm going to tell you the strangest thing I saw in a second. Besides, so. <laughs> A while back, we wanted to do uh, like a cookout, I guess, like a pig roast. That's what it's called, a pig yeah. roast. And but that the pig roast, 
you have to have a pig. And so we we said we're going to buy a pig, and th- between us and our neighbors, we're going to raise the pig, and then we're going to uh, enjoy it. Yeah, dispatch it is what I was going to say. <laughs> oh. And then, you know, and so, anyways, we got the pig, and it wasn't as much of a baby as we thought it was supposed <laughs> to be. And so we went on a motorcycle, you know, me and one of my neighbors, and uh, no big deal. And um, so we went on a motorcycle to pick this little pig up. And I mean, the thing probably weighed 40 pounds when we got it. And so, and the guy was like, oh, no problem. We'll just, and he throws him in the sack, like this blue sack, <laughs> and just hands it to me. And so, I mean, this thing is sprawled out across my lap. And, like, I can't see, so I'm just trying to hold it. It's alive, mind you. And he's trying to bite me through the back. <laughs> and, like, we're riding through, and people see me on the back of this motorcycle. You know, I'm a six-foot-tall black guy, in, you know, in the middle of the Amazon somewhere. And so I'm already, already looking at me and my beard and whatever. <laughs> And I have this bag wiggling on my lap. And then the guy driving is a Cuban guy. Like, he's not from here either. So we just look like quite the pair. And it's wiggling. <laughs> They're probably thinking it's some child that we've abducted no. in the bag. And So anyways, we get back. And yeah, long story short, the pig was delicious. Um, the weirdest thing I've seen. And I'm not. This is the thing. If people haven't been here, they're gonna feel like I'm making. They were making this stuff up. But so the, let me go back. The weirdest thing you've seen was me with the pig. Well, you didn't see us. That's the weirdest it's thing you've weirdest. seen. the weirdest thing i've i guess On the thought motorcycle, of. i've right? seen some i've seen a lot of funny things i don't know i can't think of anything weird i mean i mean a mattress on a motorcycle my, my mattress it's always fun to see like a family of five on a motorcycle and they have the little plastic kitty chair in the front so the yeah, baby, yeah yeah so they're like eight month old can sit in there you always 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 see babies falling asleep on the front of the motorcycle uh-huh. and so they're like driving the motorcycle with one hand and yeah. holding the baby and yeah it's trying to make sure that because the baby's knocked out, the mm-hmm. vibration and it, it's it's a very calming sense to ride the motor. It sounds weird, but I, I, I get how the baby can fall asleep doing that. Weirdest thing I've seen, and I'm not making this up, is a lady was riding a motorcycle holding her baby and breastfeeding the baby as she's driving. Yeah, I've seen as that. she's driving, yeah, that's true. I, you know, you see people all the time breastfeeding on the back of the oh, motorcycle. Breastfeeding yeah. is not you know really a big thing. I mean, big deal here. Um, see, pe- see people doing it all the time on the back of the motorcycle. <laughs> this lady is driving. She has one hand, and mind you, if you don't, if you're not hip to motorcycles or whatever, you, the gas is on the handle, the right handle. So you twist it back. That's you twist the handle back. There's no that. That's how you give it gas. And so she's ho- holding the handle with the gas. So she's also using that same hand that you maintain your speed with to control the motorcycle. Has her baby in her left hand. And he is uh, feeding right away. And it was just that, you know, I've seen, obviously, odd things be carried on a motorcycle and stuff. But breastfeeding while driving, I feel like that's a charge, right? That is multitasking. BWD? <laughs> I don't know. Is that? I don't know. It's weird. And then you see, like, you see, like, children on motorcycles as well. Yeah. And they try to, like, they, they try to act like, you know, they're big. Like, try to have a straight face and hold their head up high uh-huh. and try to look of age. <laughs> Like, dude, you're, you're, you're 10. Yeah. There's no way. That's accurate. That. That's not a, that's not a, an exaggeration. They're like 10 years old riding a motorcycle. And trying to look like an adult, <laughs> like, you know, trying to present as a, it's hilarious. So, but yeah, I don't know. It's something you got to kind of see to experience. It's, it's so much fun though. Cause I mean, we're driving small, like 125 CC motorcycles and 150, 250 is the max, I think. And so no one's going 70 miles per hour and stuff. I mean, it's still dangerous to breastfeed and drive i wouldn't recommend that so don't try to say that i always try to take pictures you know so that i could yeah. you put it on instagram or something yeah. you know so that people can see what we see on a daily basis but uh it's i'm never quick enough should have took the picture of me and that stupid pig <laughs> it literally was trying to bite me through the bag <laughs> it's crazy 
Uh, but yeah, anyway, so how has your week been? My week has been good. I mean, besides this daunting headache that I wish would go away, but it's been it's been good. A little bit of everything, you know? Yeah. So. Oh, a little bit of everything. Yeah. What is there? <laughs> Just life, you know? A little bit oh, of oh, cooking, a little, a little bit, bit of cleaning. Of a little I would bit hope of... it's a lot of life because that's <laughs> what you do every day as you live. <laughs> a little bit of, you know, mothering and homework and studying because the girls had had been in exams, have What's, how do you say it? Test. The girls have had tests uh, for about a week and a half. And so I have to really work with one of them to help them prepare and study. And They have tests, testing like every two weeks. Yeah. It's, but they don't learn anything in the two weeks between. They and, just send all the material home. And make <laughs> yeah. us teach them. It's like yeah. homeschooling, but they watch your kids for you. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like you homeschool. And then you basically keep these people to keep your kids for what three and a half, four oh, hours yeah. a day, so that you don't have to homeschool them there during that time. But uh, whatever. Did they, you know that they, because they go to a private school this year, they won't be getting their government reward? Oh, the money. The money, yeah. Yeah. So every year they get it's a it's called I don't I don't know why it's called Juancito Pinto. I don't even know what that means. I don't know who that is, but anyways, <laughs> the government gives them. It's, it's a um, socialist government. Literal, not just what you're thinking. Oh, the United States is going to become. This is really a socialist government. Um, the the party in charge right now is called Movement to Socialism. And uh, so that's what they've done over the past, how many years have they been in charge? Ten years, whatever, I don't know. Anyways, uh, so a part of the, one of the, the many programs that they, that they you know, do for giving is uh, they're giving to people or whatever. They give every student, like, basically $30 at the end, <laughs> end of the year. And I don't, I don't, I never could figure out why. <laughs> it's, I've heard that it was supposed to help them with their school supplies the following year, but who's going to hold but on to that money? They give it to them at the very, very end, end of the school year yeah. and they give it to the kid <laughs> at the very end of the school year. Dude, we have one kid, I'm not going to say any names. And if you know my kids, you know who is who. We have one kid that would be responsible if they had to buy their own school supplies. We have another kid that would be a dropout if that's what it came to. Because she's not going to have one penny left. If we <laughs> allow her to spend her one cito pinto, however she wanted. It would like, be spent on candy. Oh, yeah. th and th that day. That day. She yeah. would have $30 worth of candy. Well, she's very generous because she would buy candy for everyone in the neighborhood. Yeah. So that's a, a plus. Because she's afraid she would get in trouble for eating it all herself. Then that's like her cop Or because out. she loves being with friends and she mm -hmm. wants to also treat her friends. Sure. She's very social. Okay, <laughs> we'll stick with that. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's been a, a good week for me. I think mm -hmm. uh, I did a lot of studying this week. I think my brain is kind of fried today. Maybe that's what's maybe going that's on. what's yeah. I was gonna but, say um, that. That and the extra breakfast sandwich that I ate. <laughs> Sorry, but, um, I'll just make you one from now on. We, yeah, limit me. We um, yeah, we continued our series yesterday. Today's Monday, so yesterday. Um, uh, we did, what do we do? Uh, I'm trying to think of it in English. Uh, give us, give us, give us, this day, our daily bread. And so we did that yesterday. How you feel it went? I think it went really well. Um, uh, it was challenged. It challenged me. Um, because you talked about how, um, how the, how it said, give us this day. And then you went and said our daily bread and talked about how it could sound repetitious is that a word? Repetitious? Yes. Um, it, it will be for the Red Roots podcast. So. Okay. Um, and then you went in and just discussed how how it's just reiterating how we should be dependent on God for all of our needs, both physical and our spiritual needs. 
um, and just a dependency on him for things like patience and um, long suffering and just stuff like that. It really challenged me, especially because I had a hard week. As you know, <laughs> we lived together uh, and there was a time Shocker. where you called me out and you said you were just being mean and I couldn't even like negate that because it's true i was just mean <laughs> you, you said no i wasn't i wasn't mean what are you talking about <laughs> you know um and so i i really i it, i identified with that in that message like i wasn't depending on god for my daily spiritual food and so uh, it challenged me and it just kind of opened up my eyes to desire that and wake up in the morning and desire those things from the lord and not not just wake up and try to jump to the routine i mean brush the girl's hair i mean make sure the clothes are ironed and and then move on with the day it's easy to forget to focus on what's important yeah which doing the girl's hair and routine is important but yeah i think relying on our ability to provide with especially in terms of kids relying on our ability to provide for the kids instead of looking for our daily bread from god to provide for us does that make sense Mm -hmm. and i think I don't know. I think one of the one of the hot topics after is a lot of people were talking to me after church yesterday. And it's a part that really like um, challenged me as well is we we rely on like we don't have an issue asking God for stuff. Yeah. Like, no, like God, if we're, especially if we're broke. Right. Like everybody has these times when they don't have, you know, God, I just need your provision. And, you know, we use all these what we would call spiritual words or whatever. Yeah. Um, we need you to provide miraculously in a mighty way. And you know whatever we want to pray, exceedingly and, abundantly. Yeah, yeah, above all. And like, hold on, let's just get enough things. first. Let's get enough first. <laughs> like, like, and so, uh, but you know, we do all this stuff, and 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 I think um, we what gets lost in the shuffle is our spiritual provision. Yeah. Like, and 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 again, if we're what is the greatest commandment is to love God, and then you know love your neighbors, and I think if we're called to obviously we know we love God, but then you don't love God apart from loving your neighbor. That doesn't. So if you're called to love your neighbors, then you need the tools to do so effectively. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. and I think, you know, that's something that we need to ask for on a daily basis is God provide me with more peace, with more patience yeah. to be able to deal with these fools that live on the corner. Oh, I mean, that's how you really feel, right? I'm not saying that's what they really no, are, yeah. but, um, get, you know, God give me more grace so that I can show more grace to people in my life or, you know, whatever, like more love so I can walk in love towards them because we're called to love people. And we had already prayed. We already went through the Lord's prayer of uh, your kingdom come, thy will be done. And so if we're, if the focus is his kingdom coming, then when we ask for daily bread, it's so that we can continue to participate in the bringing of his kingdom mm-hmm. to earth. And so I think uh, one part we leave out of that a lot is um, spiritual daily bread, so to speak. And mm-hmm. so I don't know. I wanted to focus on that. What, what I want, what I'm trying to do at church is, Create like a safe zone for struggle, because I think no one says that. I've never heard it said. Ch- oh, actually, I have heard it s- said in church. Heard it said. Anyways, I've heard someone say this in churches. Um, but most of the time, most churches, I don't think that they say like you can't struggle f- he- in your faith here. You can't have challenges. So, but indirectly, we believe that. So we go to church and we don't feel comfortable talking about our struggles or just say, "Man, this week I struggled to even pray." Mm-hmm. Like we don't have an issue saying if we have cancer or if we have whatever, because it's something that we can't help. But when it's something that we've just gotten off track, then we have problems confessing that, you know. Yeah. And then so if we have problems confessing, then we have problems praying and, you know, and you can't pray for someone you don't know that they're going through an issue with. But then there's another side to it, too. And there's criticisms and thinking that I've arrived. But if we get in, if we get into our brains that all of us are struggling, we all need daily bread. It's not like 
you know, some have a freezer full and others don't even have a refrigerator with it. You know, it's not that it's just that we all need daily bread. We all need to depend on Jesus for everything, you know, from physical, but uh, also the spiritual, you know. Yeah, I have uh, I had a conversation with two women after church yesterday and, and the topic of depression came up and um, one of my friends said, Oh, yeah, you know, whenever I go through my little spouts of depression, I just stay home. I don't even want to bother anybody with it. And I and my other friend kind of laughed and she said, yeah, that's what I do, too. And I said, no, no. Like, where have you been? Like, this is not what we should be doing. Like, we're sitting here talking about it. Now I know you two struggle with that. I struggle with that. And so we we need to be there for each other. We need to call out to each other and say, hey, look, I'm struggling with this today or this week or this whole month. I don't know, however long. Um, Pray with me. Can you check in with me or uh, whatever? You know, I would know how to um, how to be there for them and how to how to lift them up, how to pray for them um, if if they were just open about their their struggle for that week. So, yeah, I think that's the thing, too, is in churches we ignore. like any type of mental health issues or anything like that, mm-hmm. we, we ignore it. Now, I do think there's a line where you can give it, I don't want to say give it too much attention, that's not, but just focus so much, you become identified yeah. by being depressed or whatever. Um, but but Jesus is enough, you know? And it doesn't mean it's always going to be a miraculous deliverance, but we have to really depend and rely on him and lean into him, you know, when those things, and, and we lean into him, obviously, in our personal private time, but we also lean into our congregations and the people at our local church. That's mm-hmm. why it's so important to belong to a local church, which I think is a weird thing that, you know, we see a lot. I'm not calling anybody out or anything, but we see a lot in the missionary communities is a lot of people struggle with depression, mm-hmm. with isolation and things like that. I, I just, I think there's a lot of missionaries that aren't plugged into a local church. So you, you, you're, you're fighting a battle alone. Yeah. We, like we talked about in church a, a few months ago, it's like, you know, the uh, shield of faith. And we were talking about, you know, the armor of God, but, the, the way the shields and armor was de- was designed, it wasn't meant to fight alone necessarily. Mm-hmm. It was meant to, you know, be together with other shields and stuff like that. And so I think sometimes as we're trying to fight an army and, and fight off the enemy alone, and that's not the design. We're, you know, we're meant to be a part of a community. We're made for community. And so I don't know. Yeah, I think what I think as missionaries, um, we I don't know about not me, maybe sometimes personally, but as a, in general, like we struggle to allow the natives of where we're living to mm-hmm. to pour into us to yeah. uh, be there uh, not a crutch for us but to be um, like a support for us because we are here to serve them um, instead of being vulnerable with them and saying yeah. I need you to my sister in Christ or brother in Christ to to support me and be there for me befriend yeah. me love me love on me yeah I think that was um, one of the things that I learned when we were in the Dominican Republic at our church there. It's like when, you know, my brother passed away and like just having those people to lean on, mm-hmm. like they were praying for us and they're with us and like, and you don't even consciously think about it, I think, but you are, you feel like you are here to work and you are, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that that's not a part from the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. You are a part. And like, I talk about that here all the time is we're like, I'm, I'm here not because you need me. I'm here to, because I want to be a part of this church and this community. Mm-hmm. I need you as much as you need me. And so are there moments when I need to go and confess and talk to people at church when I need prayer, I need to receive from, you know, I'm, I receive from the body just as much as everyone else. And yeah. just because I'm a missionary or whatever, doesn't mean that I'm above receiving help from people in my church. You know, right. the church is for it's, it's Jesus's church for us. And obviously there is a leadership structure, but that doesn't, prohibit you know certain leaders from receiving from from what jesus has for his church right so i don't know i think 
that's what I really want to establish at our church. I want it to be a place where everybody can grow. And I don't want it to be like, oh, every, we're all just struggling and we're all in sin. Not to say that extreme, but we do all struggle. And like, just let's fight it together. Mm-hmm. Let's feel, you know, let's feel comfortable confessing our sins one to another. And then, you know, um, was it James? I don't know, James three or something like, I can't remember, but it talks about, it's the prayer of faith. And it's saying like, essentially, if, uh, if any of you is feeling off or bad, it says, let him pray. And, and then it talks, that's when it goes into confessing your sins and stuff like that. And, um, but anyways, if, if I think prayer leads to confession, when we pray for one another openly, not just pray from our houses, but when we have those relations, it, uh, relationships with each other, it, it, you know, it opens up more for more confession and more confession is, is freedom comes through that is we're confessing our sins and confessing our struggles, not even necessarily just our sins, our struggles and our pains and our depressions, right, and our our whatever. And I think that's really what the body of Christ is supposed to be, not just a sad place, but a place where we can also, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to struggle together. It's okay to be the worship leader and come and say, hey, I'm really struggling with depression. Like, it's okay, you know. Now, to live in that, I don't know, you know, where the line, but, you know, it's, we, but we together as a church should be able to, to, to band together and, and help one another through that. Yeah. I don't know. But that's what I wanted our church, a place where everybody feels free to, to grow. Because we get stuck in these places. If, if you say, if you get diagnosed with, you know, Parkinson's, and you say, oh, I don't have Parkinson's, that doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't change anything. And so in order, you have to recognize that there's a problem in order to confront it. And I think in all of our lives, the same thing is. We all have struggles and issues, and if we just act like it doesn't exist, we will never grow past it. Yeah. We'll never. You can't get cured or help for something that you refuse to acknowledge that exists, you know? Yeah, you said, like, um, you want them to feel free to grow, and that is something, I think, a struggle that the church has in general is that we don't feel free to just be, like, in the state that we are right now, just completely honest. Like, if you are right now 100% joyful, happy, be that. If you are right now 100% um, sad and down and discouraged, be that don't come and fake something yeah. that you're not. And we see, we see phoniness and fake fakeness in the church a lot. And it's because they're trying to put on face for our, uh, our church members. So they don't think, I don't know what they, Less what we, than or they don't yeah, think like I'm weak. I'm a weak Christian. Yeah. And yeah. it's not a weak Christian. It's susceptible to, to what we live in, you know, mm-hmm. but Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. And I think when we realize that is when true growth begins to happen. And that's what we want to see here. That's what we want to see here. We have big plans for our church. You know, we want our church to start doing missions, hopefully next year. Um, we want our, you know, we want to do the community center thing. Obviously our church will be a huge part of that. We're going to have a place to bring people into, mm-hmm. but um, if the church isn't healthy, then we're just doing that stuff to talk about on the podcast and to send in newsletters. And yeah. that's just not, you know, we want, we want long-term, not, what is it called? Long-term effectiveness that mm-hmm. outlives us. Generational effectiveness. I think I I made that up just now, <laughs> but it makes sense. No, it's, to it's necessary too, because um, what you see a lot of is that missionaries come, they, they're lifting up the community. They're being a, I don't know, beacon of light. And then they have to leave. And then the, the community kind of just kind of goes back to what they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same old struggles. And they're just hoping for another, oh, another missionary's coming. Great. Now we'll have support for our church. And then people's spiritual growth depends is dependent on whether the missionary is hosting these Bible studies or whether missionaries um, preaching on Sundays. And then if we have to leave, then they disappear from the church because they were dependent on the missionary 
Um, and so it's just important to, especially, I mean, for us, you know, to establish, uh, make sure these, these things, these projects all have roots that go beyond us, our presence here. Yeah. And yeah, definitely using, encouraging people and, you know, really showing people that they can do more than what maybe they see themselves as what they dreamed of or whatever. Mm-hmm. Cause there's no, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's a whole nother conversation, but. I, we just have to be very careful with that because as Americans, we're supremacists anyway. Yeah. We're better than everybody. We're the best nation in the world and all this other stuff. So we think like we sing land of the free and hope of the home of the brave. Like there's no one else brave or free <laughs> in the world besides us. It's, it's absurd, really, when you think about it, you know, and like, I don't know. And I, I get it. Like you can be patriotic and stuff, but we have to be careful because we take that mentality with us sometimes. And unfortunately, when you think highly of yourself, you can't think highly of yourself and everybody else. It typically comes at the cost of what you, the way you see other people. That's true. Yeah. And so if I think highly of myself, well, I have to think less of Rudy or of Miguel or whoever, even Simon. You know, I have to think mm-hmm. less of them so that I can actually justify my highliness. Because once I see that they're equally as intelligent or more intelligent than me, then that's intimidating now. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I know, just issues I think that probably everybody, probably everybody faces in life, but it's super dangerous as a missionary. And they're, they're, they're natural I think that it's a natural thought pattern, especially being from, you know, I can only speak from being from the United States. Mm-hmm. And um, anyways, I have a question and it's a big question. I don't know that how far we'll get to it. I can't remember who it's from. I apologize. I think it may be from Tom. I can't remember. But it's why Bolivia? Why it do we live a in good Bolivia? Question. <sighs> <laughs> you want to answer that? Or you want me uh, to? I yeah. mean, it's a really long story, but I mean, you don't have to tell the story, I think. I mean, it's just because God said so. All right, that's all we have for this week, guys. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a, the story is very long, and we'll mm-hmm. probably tell that another time. Um, but overall, on a practical level, right? Forget, like, you know, obviously God led us here and things like mm-hmm. that. But on a practical level, I think, because there's not a lot of people here, that's initially what it was. When I first, Bolivia was mentioned to me. I didn't even know where it was. Like, I'm not going to lie about it. Yeah. Like, I had no idea. Me neither. I thought it was in Europe. I was like, I don't want to go there. I want to go to a Latin American country. <laughs> that was my first thought. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I knew it was in South America. Like, I knew that, you know. And I think most of the people listening right now probably didn't even know where it was either until, you know, they met us or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so um, that that's part of it. Because I feel like, and I mean, not trying to sell a sad, sto- a sob story, but I feel like we've been underdogs, you know, for a lot of different reasons in different areas in our life. And uh, I don't know, I like places where no one else is going mm-hmm. and whatever. And that's why even Trinidad, okay, Bolivia is great, but then even another step in Trinidad, or there there have been historically a lot of people working here, There ha- or there have been people coming through here to work, but right now there's just not a lot of people working here as far as missionaries. And by not a lot, I mean none other than us and Simon right now that I know of. Um, and um, I don't know, being from Charleston, West Virginia and stuff too, and you see how easily easily it's it's forgotten about, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. We have uh, some friends in there, one of our supporting churches in Fort Dodge, Iowa, as well. And like, kind of get the same sense. Like, oh, this is Fort Dodge, Iowa. This is Charleston, West Virginia. Like these places where people think they make fun of and think that there's nobody towns and whatever. And essentially, like nothing good comes from there, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so I don't know. I have a heart for places like Trinidad and like Bolivia on a, on a bigger scale because no one again people don't, we didn't even. From the U.S., we don't even know where it is, and, you know, we don't know anything about it. You just hear about it in shows and movies because it's where the 
Do you yeah, like trafficking? Yeah. Well, like, that's the thing is after we moved here, I realized how many references to Bolivia there are in yeah. movies. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think it's Bolt. He says, Bolivia, Bolivia. Yeah. And, like, I never would have noticed that. Like, it just would have went straight over my head mm-hmm. until I, I lived here. And I'm like, oh, yeah, shout out to Bolivia, you know. Yeah. And um, so I don't know. I think on the, uh, the practical answer, and we'll get to the other answer another time probably. But I think for me, the practical answer is because no one's working here. And, like, mm-hmm. I just think. We want to go. We wanted. We wanted to be in a place, and we, we had obviously long, long conversations between me and Melinda. Um, first of all, about moving to another country. <laughs> Second of all, about you know moving to Trinidad as well. Uh, we've had long conversations about moving to Bolivia and then to Trinidad. Um, and I think at the end of the day, on the practical side, again, I don't want to make you think that we just you know, but um, on the practical side of it, I think. That's a big that that's the big a big part of it. There's no there's no one working here. Mm-hmm. And Jesus loves people in Trinidad just as much as he does in New York yeah. or in Austin, Texas, or in you know, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You know, it's very easy. Like it is this is the thing. Is I feel like and I'm probably gonna I'm trying not to overstep the line here. But I feel like when you see people that are called that are called to that are called to start churches, called to plant churches, um, they're always called to L.A., Seattle, you know, New York, Orlando or Miami. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying that no one's called anywhere. Dallas, like, I'm, I'm by no means am I saying that at all. But like, God isn't calling anyone else to Elkins, West Virginia, mm-hmm. to Charleston, nobody. Or when God calls us to missions, you know, He calls us to Fiji. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know anyone there. But like, you, He always calls us to. And again, I'm not I'm not criticizing anybody by any because I I don't know what you know where God is calling people to go. It doesn't have to make sense to me, but it's not the problem. I don't have an issue that people go to these places. I have quizás maybe I have the issue quizás I don't know why I'm speaking Spanish. Maybe I have the issue that people that no one goes to other places like the like I said the Charleston West Virginia's the Trinidad Bolivia's the Elkins West Virginia's the Fort Dodge Iowa's mm-hmm. the so you know. At, Again, it's not a vendetta. I'm not angry, but it's, I just don't get it. So for me, I'm like, I could complain about it. Oh, another person called to L.A., of course. And I'm sitting in, you know, I'm sitting in L.A. myself and whatever, mm-hmm. you know, or I could just shut up and, and move to Trinidad, Bolivia. And, yeah. you know, be be a difference, you know, be the difference or whatever. And so, yeah. I don't know. For me, I think that's the practical answer of why Bolivia. What about you? I think for me, uh, not I think, but I know that in the beginning, we were like, okay, we know we want to do missions, but where in the world do we go? The world is so big, right? Um, and then from there, completely trusting that God orders our steps. And so then doors started opening up. I'm not saying you walk through any door that opens up, but but we did the interview process to come here to Bolivia, and um, we served our uh, three-year commitment, and and then we thought that was closed at the end of the three years. And then after leaving, it just felt like it, my heart just kept being tugged to come back, you know, even during our year in um, our year in the Dominican Republic. I didn't always say I didn't live there and say, oh, I want to go back to Bolivia. I want to go back to Bolivia. But we still maintain relationships. And even Rudy went out and visited us and in the Dominican Republic. And my I still loved the people here. And I still always maintain that there's such a big need for for missionaries here and for the gospel to reach even the the villages here and mm-hmm. uh, reach the cities and the people here um and so even after we left i still felt like this love for f- and 
for the country and saying, man, you know, it sucks that, you know, we had to leave. Um, but, but then seeing how there was another opportunity to come back for us and the work that we were going to do and wanted to do, it's just fully trusting. Looking back, you know, it's just like, man, God really does Mm -hmm. order our steps. Like he really does know what he's doing. And I would never say God doesn't know what he's doing, but in the back of my head, I'm like, God, what are you doing? You know, know what you're doing. Um, um, and so for us, why Bolivia? I, I don't have a, pr- a practical reason besides what you said, you know, um, and just just that we know that God led us here. And yeah, and we didn't know that until afterwards, I think. I like, mean, well, we came because we knew God led us here. But well, then it was like, you're not sure. Well, yeah, you're not 100 percent sure. It's sure like, did we just make the decision because it was the only door that opened up for us or. Yeah, because there was no dream. Like, you know, people are like, God gave me a dream. Like, yeah. nope, not me. I had a dream about like. A cat with ice cream on its head was flying. <laughs> like, you know, something that doesn't make sense. Yeah. My dreams aren't necessarily spiritual dreams. But, like, definitely, I don't know. You just kind of knew as much as possible. Or you yeah. felt like you could you say felt that, like, I guess. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. you, you'd kind of jump. And then it's like, oh, yeah, this is where. Because now, like, the vision is just taking off. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, now we want to do, okay, we're working with the church to be able to do community center stuff. But also because, like, so where we live, um. Like it's so Trinidad to a lot of people is a very uh, I can't say this word, but rural. Rural. <laughs> I promise I can't say it. rural. <laughs> I don't know why I can't say it. Rural. It sounds so weird. Rural. 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 <laughs> Anyways, like a very like separated, isolated place. However, to the department, the essentially state that we live in, it would be like the equivalent to a state. It's called Benny. The state is called Benny. Benny, Bolivia. The capital of Benny is Trinidad. Now, all throughout Benny, there's all these little towns and, you know, uh, what are they called? Uh, villages and stuff like that. Um, Trinidad is actually the capital of Benny. And so this is, for a lot of these people, a forgotten about place to, even other other places in Bolivia, this is like the middle of nowhere. Even Trinidad is. But then to those people in those villages, Trinidad is like the big city. And so we want to establish a strong church here in Trinidad, a strong presence presence here in northern Bolivia and then be able to send out and go out and reach and connect with pastors in these small villages and stuff. And, you know, reach reach a village who reaches a village who reaches a village and stuff. And, I mean, you end up very, very far like that. Instead mm-hmm. of trying to do it all yourself, just making these connections and stuff. But the key to that is a small, uh, strong church. And so yeah. that's really, you know, the vision, the goal, what we want to do. And that's just something that I think is always, we've always talked about, but the opportunity just never really popped up until we are here. And I don't know, things just start happening and like, boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden, like, oh, yeah, this makes total sense. This is exactly where God wants us. And mm-hmm. just through the, you know, through different things, you realize that like this is exactly where God wants us, you know. So how do you how do you measure a strong church? Like when when do we get to that point to where you feel like we're strong enough to start? Ten thousand members. No, no, I'm just that's kidding. A lie. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, I just think a, a strong church that's reproducing itself and people that are dependent on Jesus. Um and not just in church services, people that are being productive in their own personal lives as well, mm-hmm. not because of pay or because of prosperity, but because of the gospel of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're called to represent Jesus in everything that we do. And um, I have like a long list on my computer of like, you know, what's an effective church and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But just uh, we, we're loving our community, reaching our community. We have um, a certain level of uh, biblical literacy. Like we know how to read the but We don't just read the Bible. We know how to read the Bible. Yeah. We know how to, you know. And um, that's obviously not even, but, you know, we have just a strong, relation with, re, strong relationship with Jesus, 
uh, we worship Jesus. We actually do worship Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you see see results in the lives of the people, I think, is, is what you would say a strong church. I mean, it could have 10 members or it can have 10,000 members, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but just a productive church, people just loving people, living out the vision. And really, I don't necessarily measure the effectiveness of our church by what happens on Sunday. Right. I typically measure the effectiveness of what's happening Monday through Saturday. Um, how are we living? Mm-hmm. Not as not on a scale of how much money are we making? Oh, you're not making more, so you're not blessed. No. Like, how you know how are we stewarding what we have? You know, because if provision comes from God, then we don't have that much control over it as much as we think we do, you know. But how are we stewarding what we have? Are we, you know, using it for the glory of God or not? And so I think, you know, obviously starting with our leaders, just um, mm-hmm. are we really, you know, there's so many people that think they go to church for years and years, and believe that they're mature because they've been here for years. But that's not, obviously, we, I think we all know that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but just bringing people to real maturity in Christ, people having a strong relationship with Jesus, confessing our sins one to another, we're praying together, we worship Jesus together, you know, we laugh together, have a good time together, we love our community, serve our community, you know. and um, just, We're just a ways away from that still. Yeah, yeah, we are. But... With God, all things are possible. Amen. Good talk. Yeah. So, yeah, anyways, I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of measurables written down. But, yeah, I, I just think uh, a certain level of, and it's, it's not always measurable in the same way, but a certain level of maturity amongst believers and stuff. And just a, a productive church. And not a production church, but a productive church, you know. Mm. And so I think that can be a house church or that can be a church with cool lights and stuff. It doesn't really matter, you know. Yeah. But um, just are, are, are the disciples being made? Are you multiplying? Not just in numbers, but in growth, like like spiritual growth, right? Yeah. Like, are people growing? Or is, is there fruit among the congregation? You know, is, are people bearing fruit? No. You know? Okay. Well, then we have work to do, yeah. and not perfect, right? But growing, and so that's the goal. And I think that's how we we'll probably more or less a very wide range explanation or whatever of how I would define a. Um, an effective church no it's good because it's measurable right it's like you can look at it and see yeah it's not yeah. just like when are we ever going to get to that point or reach this yeah, like idea so th- it's funny yesterday i'm not going to say the names but i went to one of our neighbor's house and so a long time ago i started talking about this thing about like husbands and what because here is a very um i don't know how, how to put it like a male dominated society mm-hmm. and no one really has a major issue with it um but I just talked about the need to, as husbands, to serve our wives as well. And to, like, because here it's the woman cooks and cleans, the man works. Like, that's the end of the story. Like, there's nothing else to talk about. And um, you have a lot of men. And, you know, if that's how you want it to be in your house, then, I mean, whatever. Um, but then you have women that work full time as well. But then they come home and cook and clean. And then they help the kids with homework and whatever. And, you know, so there's no balance at all. And I just, I, a long time ago, I talked about, like, you're not too good to wash wash to wash dishes mm-hmm. um, and just made that reference and just talking, talking about like you have a day off and you see your wife busting her behind all around the house and stuff like, dude, get up and, you know, go do something, sweep the floor or something, yeah. you know, help her out. And so I went to someone's house yesterday to borrow, like you said, I was uh, replacing the sink, the thing in the sink, fixing the sink. And I asked, went to ask him to have a party, came to the door and he had like out to his elbows, like in, 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 in uh, like suds from oh. where he's washing dishes oh, and stuff. And it was super, it was super cool because it's like, Oh, like we are, so you do see, you know, and we, I mean, we have some really great stories. Actually, we are growing as a people. Mm-hmm. We have some really great stories that I won't share because they're very private, I think, mm-hmm. but of growth um, 
and, and some of our members. So we are growing. I think when you're in it, though, it's like you look at your kids every day and you don't realize until you look on Facebook memories how much they've grown, mm-hmm. you know, or like our dog, Khan, you, he just looks the same every day until you look back at pictures. Yeah. It's like so I think sometimes we don't notice the growth because we're still in the in middle it. of it. But people are growing when you still when you think, think about these stories and like what's happening now and you think back to a year ago. Like, it's like, oh, wow, we've grown a lot. You know, we're mm-hmm. growing a lot, you know. And so. The gospel we are growing. works. Yeah, we are getting there. Like, yeah. it. Like, God, you know. <laughs> like, God will do what God does. Yeah. You know? Jesus builds his church. And you preach him and, you know, let him do the rest. That's right. So. You got a big week coming up? Um, um Yeah. All that church, the church that I've been going to help um, with their worship Mm-hmm. team um they asked me if i could commit to another month it's this tonight will be a month already that oh. i've been going oh yeah i didn't know you only committed a month i thought you were um, just like yeah we were, we're gonna take it I, I decided to put a timeline so that it doesn't ever feel awkward when everyone's feeling like uh i'm done with this but i don't know how to tell her no one gets offended yeah, yeah. so we said i will take it a month at a time see how evaluate after a month so t- today marks a month and um they said that we're going to transition now from vocal lessons to worship, um, worship, I guess, guidance. So they're going to actually do their worship set. Yeah. And I will be critiquing and, and giving suggestions on like, maybe you shouldn't lead this song. You should lead yeah. this song. Oh, that's really and cool. I think you like that. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm going to enjoy that a lot. Um, but it's been a, <laughs> it's been a struggle because they're not doing their vocal warm ups or exercises as I've been telling them to. And they just now started bringing their water, which I told them is very important. So it's, Breaking bad habits is difficult, as we all know. And so um, it's just basically the, uh, drilling into their heads the same thing that I've been telling them for a whole month and, and then try to bring it all together. Um, and I mean, with the goal being um, the goal being that they are able to uh, practice all of these things and still genuinely worship God on yeah. Sunday mornings. You know, these are supposed to be things that help them and, yeah. and not cause more distractions. Yeah. So. Um, so it's a, a long road, but it's exciting, yeah. an exciting one, because that's what we want to do. We want to help other churches too, and not just be so focused on our church. Yeah. So good, good. I have more meetings this week. Oh yeah, we have a worship meeting yeah, this week. Yeah, yeah, worship meeting, and then. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I have a few, so I think that, and then also I have a board meeting on Saturday. I don't know if I told you that. No. A Red Roots board meeting. Oh okay. So that'll be exciting, I think. Yeah, those are always fun for you. Yeah. You always walk away encouraged and oh yeah, big time. Yeah, pumped our, up. Our board is like the best ever, seriously. Um, but yeah, I think we're gonna talk a little bit about a future project too of a community center and like what we got to do to get kind of get going in that. We mm-hmm. spent a lot of time kind of planning and stuff for that and done some investigations and such. And like I said, there's some property for sale around our house and I don't know. Uh, fundraisers are exhausting, but like exhausting. I hate asking for money. Like I, like you don't know how much I'm I so hate thankful it. you do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, like I, I, I don't know. Anyway, but I get it. Like I hate asking for money, but at the same time, yeah, I think I would be so dangerous if I was self sufficient. You know, like I just wouldn't. I wouldn't even pray about it. Very dangerous. You know, and so it's like not on purpose, but it's just, you know, just I think naturally. Well, you know, statistically, if you put a child and a dog in a campaign to raise money, you are more likely to get more support. Oh, we have plenty of both. <laughs> Uh, we have kids with no shoes and dirty diapers, <laughs> and there is a dog that is dying right now out on the steps. One died a couple weeks ago. We could have put, oh, if we would have put her in there. What's that dog's name? Uh, chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah, Choka. Choka. If we would have put Choka on there. 
at like, oh goodness, like we get millionaires, oh, man. build all kinds of stuff for the city. And so, speaking of, I need to get to work, and uh, that's not true. I need to get some stuff done, then I need to pick the girls up. So, you done? I'm you done. Got, oh, you sure? Mm-hmm. Well, Simon, you have anything else to say? Oh no, he's not here. For <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, hopefully uh, Simon will be back with us next week and we can hear about his pizza. He's probably waiting at the door of Papa John's right now, like waiting on them to open yeah. so he can get some pizza. Um, so, yeah, no, I think that's all I have for this week. Um, thanks for listening and you'll hear from us next week, right? You going to yeah. be here? Yeah. All right, good. We love you guys. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you.